Alright, hey, what's going on, everybody in Sharks territory? I'm Aaron James. This is episode 50 of the Shark City Podcast, chapter 16 in this second season. We are approaching the one-year anniversary of this show. Really excited to really excited to, you know, reach that milestone. Uh, speaking of milestones, we're gonna go to some of the upcoming milestones um, for some of our San Jose Sharks players here. Uh, welcome to the Shark City Podcast, the official podcast of SharkCityHockey.com, proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, we have a stacked episode for you today as we catch up in Sharks territory over the holiday uh, break. So um, whatever you celebrate out there, season's greetings from Shark City Hockey. Um, tonight's lineup, uh, today is Boxing Day in Canada, which means, you know, it's the World Junior Championship started today. So we'll sp- briefly just touch up on the Sharks prospects that are in the 2023 World Juniors and, you know, some of the um, some of the performances from the first uh, day of action. We are also going to cover some of the overreaction to Tomas Hurdle's suspension that occurred. Obviously, we'll have him back in the lineup tomorrow. His two games have been served already against Calgary, Minnesota. But I just want to kind of revisit some of the overreactions on his suspension within the fan base. Um, some of it even within, you know, the uh, media. And just kind of do a little bit of, you know, comparison here. And just kind of uh, review some of the suspensions that went down for some similar actions throughout the season. Uh, we're going to talk about Luke Kunin, obviously. Uh, his season's over, um, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, it's going to be very it's gonna be very interesting to see how the Sharks, um, you know, feel... You know how they see the next man up. It's going to be very interesting to see how they fill um, that roster spot long term. Hopefully, one of the guys gets a shot from the CUDA. Obviously, they're bringing up the likes of CJ Sue, so I don't mean any disrespect. And, you know, some other guys as well that are, um, you know, more uh, NHL experienced and ready. But obviously, we're all waiting for number 17 and 72 to uh, make their 2022 2023 debut. Uh, the Sharks cannot extinguish the Flames. We'll. Briefly revisit those games. Uh, they obviously ran wild on Minnesota, so we'll probably focus a little bit more on that. Uh, some new features that are going to be at the Shark Tank this season. And we're going to check in with the draft lottery. Uh, where the Sharks stand right now for the tank for Bernard. Obviously, uh, Bernard is being salvated over more than ever with the whole World, world Juniors action. Pardon me. And, uh, you know, we'll preview the final games of 2022. So we have quite a show for you. Um, happy holidays once again to everybody who's enjoyed, um, you know, this extended time off. And um, here we go, right into the show. So, again, it's Boxing Day in Canada, which means it's the World Junior Championship. That started um, today. It's all preliminary um, group action going on right now. Uh, there are two San Jose Sharks prospect competing in the 2023 World Juniors this year that is um philip uh, bystead from sweden he's um obviously this season's first round draft pick 27th overall for san jose um he was on the first line forward with sweden so that was pretty uh, awesome to see our first rounder get you know um the starting lineup for his uh, country he also led the tournament today opening day with three points a plus Minus rating of positive six plus six. He has three points, so he's leading the tournament right now. He's actually tied up with one of his teammates, but we're going to focus on the Shark player. He has two goals and an assist. Um, so Sweden put on the clinic against Austria, 11-0. Again, it's all preliminary Group A action. 
but it's pretty nice to see uh, the Sharks' first-round draft pick shine on the world stage. Um, unfortunately for Benjamin Goodrow, not so much the results, I'm sure, that he wanted for Team Canada. Um, they suffered a 5-2 lot today to uh, Czechia. And um, again, just didn't have a great night in net. Uh, Benjamin Goodrow made 12 saves on 17 shots, allowed five goals against uh, the Czechia team in a 5-2 loss. Uh, so the good news is, you know, the guys will be in action some more in this Group A preliminary round action. Hopefully, you know, um, both teams could find themselves or, you know, at least one of our guys. Uh, obviously, that'll be Canada or Sweden. Uh, hopefully, they could find themselves, you know, having a deep uh, tournament run. But the next games for Goodrow coming up with Team Canada, he's going to be facing Germany on the 28th and Austria on the 29th. Uh, for Bystead, he has Germany tomorrow, so the 27th of December, and then uh, Czechia on the 29th. Both prospects teams, that's being Canada and Sweden, that's Goodrow and Bystead, they will both face each other on New Year's Eve, December 31st. So wrap up preliminary action for Group A. So, you know, for those of you who are hungry and thirsty for some, you know, um, future Sharks action, by all means, now's the time to be checking out the World Juniors Championship. All right. We're going to move on to something that's kind of been on the forefront of fans' minds in Sharks territory lately, and that's this penalty that occurred uh, from Tomas Hurdle. He was suspended two games for high sticking uh we covered this last episode previously on the shark city podcast so i'm not going to um, spend too much time into um, you know revisiting the event that occurred with the high sticking but i will say is i want to cover everybody's reaction in sharks territory to tomas hurdle suspension so uh first i want to start off with Drew Remenda. So he had a very interesting comment to make about Tomas Hurdle. And this was on the Sharks morning skate. Drew Remenda said that, you know, there's a difference between between playing with emotion and being emotional. And, um, you know, Remenda seems to have the same sentiment that was shared on the previous episode of this podcast. That being that Hurdle is supposed to be a leader on the team. And he's kind of been in the slump. Obviously, the points are there. But um, again, this was all in the previous episode, so peep it. I don't want to, you know, repeat it. But the point I'm trying to get at is, um, you know, for the most part, it seems as if, like, you know, this, regardless of him not having a history of doing it, a previous record, it was just kind of a letdown. That's the overall vibe. Uh, because obviously, um, you know, the penalty not just cost the team the game, but obviously, you know, being out of the lineup, He's supposed to be one of the leaders on this team now. And, you know, he got the big contract. So anyways, um, so that was kind of my reaction. Obviously, a lot of people out there, they see um, this whole um, suspension with Tomas Hurdle kind of being just another indication of how the National Hockey League just has it out for the San Jose Sharks. Um, pretty much specifically the Department of Players um, Safety they pretty much they being sharks fans and um i'm getting this general consensus throughout um you know all the group chats and all the social medias and the different forums but the point being is that um you know that they were making an example of tomas hurdle and that he um 
essentially, you know, not having the prior history should just went with a fine. Like two games is too much, so to speak. Anyways, um, so here's what Tomas Hurdle had to say on his own suspension. Um, really quick before I go a little bit further into this segment. So this is out of the Mercury News. Um, this is Tomas Hurdle on his suspension, and I quote, It sucks I got two because can't play for the next eight days. I do not like being out for that long. It's my mistake. I did it. I know the league has to protect the players, but I thought a fine or maybe one game, if anything, because I have no history. I'm more upset because he scored two goals in 20 seconds. So it's not like he had to go to the locker room to check it out. He's speaking of Lindholm. Because obviously, um, if you guys don't remember, this penalty with Tomas Hurdle when he high-sticked Lindholm, it was retaliation for essentially being uh, cross-checked multiple times off of the opening face-off of the third period. And this was Tomas Hurdle's reaction, just swinging this stick um, high. Um, some people argue that, you know, it didn't hit his face directly, that perhaps, you know, it kind of um, angled out and hit like the shoulder pad area around the chest or something. I don't know. All I'm saying is that um, when this penalty occurred, even Tomas Hurdle himself seems to think that the suspension was a little excessive. So, um, you know, the, the big argument out there, the big consensus, and this has been for years, so this isn't like breaking news. Um, I mean, if you look up like the National Hockey League's Department of Player Safety and inconsistency, you'll have stories running back from like, you know, 10 plus years. So this isn't breaking news. But for the sake of being thorough and to add even more context to the content, let's just take a quick look at the suspensions from this season. Now, this information is coming out of via the refs.com, or excuse me, scouting the refs.com. So this is coming via scouting the refs.com. And these are the suspensions that have occurred since September. Um, now, in real time, you know, there may be a couple of players that are off of this list, but it doesn't matter because I want to focus specifically on the high sticking, um, some of the high sticking calls that occurred this season, just for comparison. And, you know, just to have a look at for those of you who are watching the video version on this um, on YouTube or on Instagram Live. And, you know, for those of you who are listening to audio, by the way, I encourage you to check out the uh, video version. It's always lined up at sharkcityhockey.com. Uh, with the podcast audio as well. So um, back to these comparisons. So, you know, this season, just for comparisons, to say comparisons for games and for, um, you know, severity in terms of how it looks, I guess. So here's um, a quick look at Toronto's Pierre Igival, or Ingval, pardon me. Uh, this occurred this month, so this is pretty fresh too. Um, this was on the 8th of December, and he got high sticking. He was suspended a game. He lost 12000 in his salary. Um, essentially, the same thing, Timo, excuse me, Timo, Tomas Hurdle, um, in terms of like severity and how it looks, swinging the stick, um, essentially kind of like, you know, it looks almost similar, but he only gets one game. Um, 
I'm not going to dive into if it was instigated or, you know, if it was deserved. That's not up to me. Just reporting, you know, the, what's factual. That being uh, this right here, this penalty from Toronto back in a uh, couple of weeks ago uh, was apparently warranted just one game only. So that right there would go to kind of support some of the San Jose Sharks fans out there who feel that the NHL is rather biased. Um, whatever the case may be, whether it's having um, to endure suspensions or having to see the team endure, um, you know, some shady, dirty um, hits or, you know, um, foul play and see no kind of answer from, you know, the situation room, so to speak, right? So, again, just for the sake of being a little bit uh, thorough and a little bit more um, con text to the content here's another look at a uh, high sticking uh, situation now this right here is probably a little bit more on people's minds so this is jeff skinner of buffalo this occurred just a day after the previous um penalty from our suspension from toronto uh, this is high sticking this right here is three games and for those of you who are listening to audio uh, version just imagine jeff um, skinner he wears uh, he's for um buffalo sabers cross-checking high like in the throat area underneath the jawline like practically by the ear lobe um a penguins player with their head across um the fiberglass or the boards or whatever you right so this right here is rather severe um this right here is obviously it looks intentional um and that was a three game suspension and almost um, it was like 145k in lost salary. Um, so I guess what my argument here, or you know, what I'm trying to pretty much, um, you know, what the research or what the whole segment is trying to be about is whether or not there's a legitimate bias. Now, here's one that I think is kind of hilarious here, so we could kind of um, brighten up the mood here. So this is uh, Florida's. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, and my my apologies. There's nothing funny about um, high sticking or being struck across the face or anybody part with the stick. I think Curtis Brown said it best um, on the Sharks broadcast here uh, locally in San Jose that you know um, those kind of penalties and incidents occur in throughout the game, but it's typically on you know it's lower and on parts of the body that have padding, right? Anyways, um, but this right here is kind of, and I don't mean to be like, I, I'm not trying to like, um, again, not, not laugh at this, but this to me it's kind of hilarious. I'm not going to lie. Uh, so Matthew Kachuk got suspended two games for high sticking, which it looks like, you know, he just pretty much struck um, LA Kings goaltender Jonathan Quick, like across the goal mask. Now for me, the reason why I'm trying to like hold back my chuckling here is because this is a goalie. I mean, this guy has the most pads out of every everyone. Not to say that taking, you know, the any part of the stick toward the mask isn't um danger isn't dangerous you know i played goalie so i kind of to me i kind of find it hilarious um i've definitely had worse occurring injuries and anything that hit the mask for me at least felt like a i'd rather it hit that spot than anywhere else that didn't have um good padding just ask james reimer and his knee a couple of games ago all right so back to the point um this right here was two games okay so this was two games matthew Kentuck from florida this happened uh, about a month ago on the 5th of um 
of November, and he lost 102k in his salary. So, if you think about Tomas Hurdle and you know his two game suspension versus and compare it to, I don't know, uh, Kachuk's two game suspension. I don't know. I would say just those two right there within themselves, you could probably argue say that there isn't no bias. If anything, there's just no clear indication of how you call or even determine uh, what is like the game misconduct or what is um, what validates suspension. So that's what I hear being the um, reoccurring argument throughout the years. But the whole point of this segment is to, figure out whether or not there's a legitimate bias against San Jose Sharks. I would say uh, more than likely uh, not so much, but that's just my opinion. All right, moving on. Um, thank you, everybody, who's been, um, you know, sticking with me since the top of the hour as we've approached about a official regulation period. Um, I'm Aaron James. I don't know if I said it at the top of the hour. Uh, this is Shark City Podcast. This is actually the 16th episode of Season 2, but overall, since we launched uh, back in January, this is Episode 50. And that's not counting anything that we've done during the summer, like our sessions. This is Episode 50, specifically the Shark City Podcast. So thank you to everybody who's been with us since the beginning of the year and as we approach our one-year anniversary. Uh, thank you to all of you who have been um, peeping us out on Instagram and on YouTube and everyone who's been checking us out on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Luke Coonan, he got season-ending surgery uh Saudi sharks general manager mike greer announced that the surgery was successful it was to repair a torn acl the injury occurred on the 13th of december against the coyotes um they said it's pretty much expected that he's going to be out for the rest of the season because the estimated time of this recovery is about six to eight months so Luke Kunin, uh, one of the newest sharks this season, one of you know Mike Greer's newest additions, one of you know, like one of the first pieces of the puzzles of him building his legacy. Um, yeah, he's going to be um, out. So speedy recovery, you know what I mean. Um, best of luck to you, Mister um, um, Kunin, and hopefully, our Kunin, pardon me, Luke Kunin. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, you are ready to go um, by next season. And from my understanding, that's what um, they're saying. That's uh, them being Dan Ruzanowski and Drew Remenda on the Sharks Audio uh, Network for the Sharks Morning Skate. They're speaking of this injury being one of those things where it's like, you know, you either play through it and then you just kind of uh, prolong, uh, you know, addressing the issue and correcting it and then maybe potentially making it worse or, you know, just pretty much do it now. The Sharks obviously being like almost fourth. You know, right now, if the, if the season ended, we'd be fourth overall prior to the, the lottery. Um, but, you know, this season is almost for a loss. Some of you would say, I'm hoping not. We'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, you know, based on what the guys, the broadcast team said is like, you know, it just makes more sense for him. A player, you know, a player of his um his skill to just get it done now, so he can be ready for the beginning of next season. So uh, best of luck to Luke Cunning, and um, you know, can't wait to see you back out there until. So, with 
that respect being paid, let's now jump into quickly, um, you know, some of the games. So the last time we got together, the Sharks were not looking good against Calgary Flames, and they had to do Act 2 at the tank. Uh, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, the results weren't much different. Uh, the game didn't feel that way, but that third period definitely got lost for them. So let's just kind of, um, you know, go into it again. It was one of those situations like, oh, no, we suck again because, you know, they just literally, like, handled us the night before or a couple days before. Uh, the Sharks lost this game 7-3, to leaving the crowd hanging on those tacos. Come on. If you're going to lose like that, at least give them the tacos, give them the four goals. Uh, Nico Sturm almost got a Gordie Howe hat trick, I think, like, in the first period. So that was exciting. That didn't happen, unfortunately. Eric Carlson reached 30 assists on the season. By the way, his rating on NHL 23, that's EA Sports, NHL 23, it has increased. It's increased to 88 overall for those of you who play uh, EA Sports NHL hockey out there. Uh, so he's being recognized as, you know, he's he's on the rise. Okay, anyways, uh, the Sharks were in the game again despite a ridiculous start to the, the oh my goodness. Uh, we're, we might have to, like, you know, we might have to reconsider the new two or fewer because this time around, um, they literally let two goals in within 30 seconds. So, um, just to be thorough, um, you know, the first goal was scored 15 seconds after opening face-off and then another 15 seconds later. All right, so it was, it just wasn't looking good. Um, you know, that's how the game pretty much closed, to be honest with you. They allowed two goals 20 seconds apart in the 18th minute of the third period. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, you know, if you just want to speak about, you know, how our guys did again, Nico Sturm almost got the, um, the Gordie Howe, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Actually, I take that back. I'm mistaken here. Um, yeah, actually he did. So he got in the scrum. Nico Sturm, he got in a fight. Wasn't so much of a fight. Then it really was like a jersey tugging kind of contest. It didn't really go down. Um, and, but he got the goal. He got the goal of 14 minutes, 58 seconds to the first. So that was his ninth of the season. Uh, so we're just looking for that assist all season long. I mean, all season, all game long. Unfortunately, it uh, it never came. Um, Alexander Barabano scored his fourth of the season. Um that was in the second period. Timo Meyer got his 17th of the season, in which Eric Carlson collected his 30th assist. Uh, sounds like Sharks just couldn't capitalize on special teams. It was 0 for 3 on the power play. Definitely would have helped out to, you know, net a special teams goal in that game. Not that it mattered because, you know, again, uh, Calgary was just too hot to handle for the Sharks. 7-3 to three victory. And that's all I want to say about that. If you want to do any praise, if you want to take anything out of those 60 minutes of hockey for Team Till, uh, again, Nico Sturm was kind of being uh, regarded as maybe he's an emerging leader, at least after the headlines are reading on the local newspaper. Um, he did pretty solid again. Uh, got the fight. So he got the five minutes and penalties and got the goal. Didn't get the apple, unfortunately. Um Won 44% of his face-offs in that game. Timo Meyer kind of stood out. He got a goal and assist. He scored two points. He played about almost 21 minutes. And he won 50% of his face-offs. He's not even a center. Uh, Logan Couture, 
didn't really see him too much. I mean, maybe it's because I'm not seeing on the scoreboard, but he was a negative one overall that game. He did put three shots on goal, laid out a hit and a blocked shot. He also had a giveaway. Uh, he played for a little bit under 20 minutes. Um, obviously, James Reimer. And again, I know this steam is kind of rolling out here because I have to revisit the 7-3 loss. <laughs> We're almost done. Uh, James Reimer, you know, didn't look too good in that uh, 0.842 save percentage, 32 saves on 38 shots. Um, Eric Carlson, of course, um, he's a big, a big shark in a small pond. You know, I mean, played almost 25 minutes. Um, so yeah, um, probably one of the best things out of that whole game was that Mario Ferraro returned to the lineup. Um, so if you didn't know, Ferraro has been out since practically Thanksgiving. Um, he had a foot injury and yeah, you know, maybe he stops blocking some of those shots that help out, but back to the point, he is in the lineup again. He, um, had himself kind of a, um, something that stood out to me is like he played 19 minutes while Benning played 20 minutes. Um, so like, I felt like he was kind of like taking, um, he wasn't too much time on the ice, like kind of like light duty in a sense. Like they didn't have him out there as much as they did in the wild game. Like in the, in the Minnesota wild game, I think he played, um, like 20, almost 23 minutes, like 22 minutes, some change. But, um, we'll talk about that game later. Uh, yeah, the sounds of sharks just continue to slump at home. It's not looking too good, at least after you know, the Calgary Flames wrapped up two games there. Um, so that's that. Uh, we'll talk about the wild game a little bit later. But first, I want to go into some of the new features at the tank. So let's liven up the atmosphere here a little bit. So the Sound of the Sharks are going to have uh, two distinctive new features that were um, promoted prior to the game. Uh, this being the Calgary game. Um, so they're going to become the first team in the National Hockey League to use what they are calling Force Perspective 3D uh, video display. So that new center hung... Okay, you know what I'm talking about, the video. Okay, I'll just call it the scoreboard from here on out. Okay, I think that's a pretty, pretty safe generalization for it. The scoreboard, the brand new scoreboard that's like 6,000 square feet of visible space that's been tweaked with software so that no matter where you sit in the tank you have the same exact view i think that's pretty awesome by the way um so i'll be real with you i'll be real with you all right i'll be the first to admit it when they brought the big tv out in the midst of this um you know slump that they've been in going on four seasons now i was just kind of like all right whatever and i think some fans out there kind of have that same sentiment like, all right, you know, you put the fancy big TV in front of me. I guess I got to go to a game. And I don't mean to say it like that because I love my sound of the Sharks. But um, some people kind of, you know, when they see stuff like this, they, they can't tell if it's a gimmick or if, you know, it actually enriches the experience. I'll tell you right now. All right. When I first seen the big screen TV, outside of it being modern, because obviously since last season, I've been saying like, the Sharks really need to do something to make it seem like they actually represent the Silicon Valley. Well, it looks like they got the, the message. It really does. Because, um, like, 
this whole force perspective 3D um, technology that they're able to do with that video, for me, that's a game changer. Like, that's just, I mean, bravo Zulu. I'll be the first one to say it, all right? You, um, that's so impressive what you guys are doing there in the tank because I have been a big fan of this type of technology for the longest time. Now, if you follow us on Shark City Hockey, um, specifically on Twitter, um, so at Shark City Hockey, um, you'll see one of the videos that I've shared, but I'm pretty sure all of you out there with a mobile device have seen these 3D um, force perspective, as they're calling it, the sharks, a type of advertisements. Like you've seen it with the Resident Evil. You've seen it, um, you know, whether it's like a subway plane or a dragon, like it just looks so awesome. It looks so awesome. And the fact that they're going to bring down the shark tank I'm just, I cannot wait to see the sharks jumping out of the screen. That's all I'm going to say. All right. No spoiler alert, but I think it's awesome. I think it's worth to mention that um, they did um, equip this new scoreboard with some pretty cool tech. So uh, it's four times the resolution. I think I heard them mention it was 1080p uh, during the pregame. But it's four times the resolution of the previous screen. Obviously, that thing's been hanging out there for like 15 years prior. And it has closed captioning for those who cannot hear the announcers. I think that's pretty unique as well. But for me, I think it's pretty chill that they're having the party cam. So, you know, they have a QR code. And the crowd can essentially... Now, this right here is obviously for a younger generation. So, you know, Bravo Zulu again on trying to get the younger generation involved and engaged. But, um, yeah, you could essentially scan the QR code from your seat and you know be featured on that brand new screen uh for me personally if i can make some requests okay don't want to sound um don't want to sound um what's the word i'm looking for here like not appreciate it because I, I honestly with that whole force perspective 3d i'll be real with you like i'm blown away and i cannot wait um cannot wait i cannot wait to see how they utilize it uh, whether it's like just for advertising um like what, what if they advertise movies with force perspective 3d or you know just outside just sharks you know sharks promos and whatnot anyways um but back to what i was trying to say is i would like to see them utilize that screen with like um like the filter technology where they they kind of like zoom in on the crowd and they change them look, make them look like cartoons or something or you know like like kind of like the snapchat TikTok, instagram type of um inspired technology i think that would be dope as well and lastly i'm a 49ers fan but so so this is going to be tough for me to admit, and I know that's a different sport, um, but the Cowboys, they have this thing where it kind of looks like the Sharks locker that they have. It's an interactive locker in the tank where you kind of like, you know, it's a touch screen and you could uh, check out different parts of, you know, a player's history or whatever. Um, obviously, I haven't been there um, in this season. I'm saving for a special occasion, hint, hint. Um, but um point I'm trying to say is, it's kind of the same deal, same um, same type of like um, setup, but it's like recognizes where you are and it, it, the team huddles behind you and it takes a selfie. So it's like an interactive selfie uh, camera and it's like the, the team surrounds you. I think that'll be dope. I think that'll be dope, whether it's Sharky and Frenzy or honestly just the Sharks players. I think that'll be pretty awesome. Anyways. Um, so just another one um, on the wish list there. But 
hey, happy holidays. So excited for the gifts that the Sounds of Sharks uh, organization is bringing the fan base with that whole um, 3D force perspective um, technology. Super excited to see what they do with it. I hope they utilize it to the best, and that's it. Uh, another feature that is worth mentioning, and I think it's pretty chill too, is the Sounds of Sharks are finally going to play the Sharks audio network outside of the Shark Tank. So apparently when you're you know rolling up so i'm pretty sure this right here has had to be exactly a response to some of the um fan feedback about the the long lines like it takes a while to get inside of the building it's no secret especially those last couple of seasons with all the you know requirements changing um you know here's a clear bag no clear bag you can't do this i mean it's been kind of confusing and a very frustrating experience for sharks fans to say the least, trying to get into the Shark Tank at times. Um, I think the fan base has to also understand, too, that given everything that has occurred in the past couple of years, um, without being specific, or, you know, because I don't want to jump into that that section. We're moving forward now, right? It's going to be 2023. But the, some of the stuff that happened in the past couple of years, you got to understand that perhaps the workforce and, you know, um, you know the tank isn't exact, exactly... Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm speaking out of pocket here. So I'm just, I'm just trying to offer, um, you know, a different way of thinking another point of view, but, you know, just take, take into account that, you know, maybe the tank isn't operating at capacity with its workforce as it used to be, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, just, just be patient. Um, but yeah, they're playing the, sh the games outside now so we can hear them and that's pretty chill. I think I want to take it a step further. I would like to hear them. Um, I would like to let this. I would like to see the sharks let the fans tailgate in the parking lots while playing the sharks audio network outside. I think that'll be awesome. And if they're worried about losing out on concession sales, um, it'd be very easy to enforce. I mean, that would kind of defeat the spirit of the tailgate. But you could kind of enforce like you know, like like a no outside drinking food kind of policy because you know um, you're serving to the mass. You know. Matt, you know, big pop, you know, big, pretty, uh, well, not lately because the games haven't been sold out, but <laughs> my bad, I'll chill. Um, but you know, you're, you're serving food and stuff to the public. So you can kind of, you know, regulate it by, you know, saying, Hey, just, you know, prevent cross-contamination, etc. Right. But anyways, um, so what I'm trying to say is if you could let us, if you want to let us tailgate, but provide the food for sale, so you don't miss out on, you know, those, um, those concessions. I could live with that. I could live with the Sharks setting up the Sharks audio network outside um, with the game playing throughout, you know, where you can hear it when you're rolling up, parking your car. Uh, you know, you get to enrich that parking lot experience anyways. It's literally one of the most, like, dysfunctional kind of, like, old old school kind of, like, headache and sometimes, especially when you try and get out of the game, uh, parking lots. So I, I think you should, like, turn it into, like, a place where people could get together before the game, before they go inside the tank, you know, maybe set up some outside bars or something. But anyways, I'm, I'm speaking all out of pocket here, but let the fans tailgate. That's all I'm trying to say. Anywho. Um, oh, one last thing. The woo has returned to the shark tank in an official capacity. All right. So if you haven't heard it, this went down during the Calgary games. Pardon me as I take a sip of my tea really quick. Thank you. Um, the Woo has returned to take. They're actually playing it on the uh, in the arena. It's like official audio, baby. I love it. I love it. So for everybody out there who despised the Woo, 
It's here to stay. It's here to stay. All right. Woo! It's been two, almost two regulation periods of hockey. We are going strong here. Uh, thank you again to everybody who's been enjoying the uh, program, top of the hour. Uh, this is the Shark City Podcast, episode 50, uh, season two, chapter 16. Uh, right now, we're about to jump into some better news in Sharks territory with the results on the ice. Uh, some of the Sharks defeated the Minnesota Wild. Um, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, Eric Carlson had four points, one goal on his first shot, 44 seconds in. Eric Carlson was bidding for his first period, Gordy Howe hat trick. Uh, you know, just like um, uh, Sturm, but. Didn't happen. I think fans know he's not going to drop the gloves. <laughs> um, you know, some of the things outside of the Sharks, you know, winning that game, that kind of stayed out. Um, the main storylines, uh, Nieto, Matt Nieto took another monster hit. Not not looking good. Uh, Long Beach native Matt Nieto has been subject of two pretty uh, solid, um, like, train wrecks. And um, kind of happy that he was able to finish the game, to be honest. Um are, you know, at least it looked like he was majorly hurt. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said for Sveshnikov, who did hurt his knee from a hit by Mason Shaw. Uh, the play went back to the situation room. It was deemed that he lifted his knee to initiate contact and was given a five-minute major in a game misconduct. Uh, so, you know, for those of you who want to know, yes, he was suspended two games, okay? So I know that was, like, one of the first things everybody was asking. Um... Just as everyone's saying, like, please don't suspend Eric Carlson for high sticking in that game. Anyways, um, Eric Carlson, um, he looked good on that five minute. He looked really good. He looked great. All right. He looked great on that five minute major. Definitely like quarterbacking it, as they say. I wish we had a different term for that. I'll say he's just calling and making plays. All right. But uh, the Sharks got their fourth win at home, 11th win of the season. Man, these, these games are coming tough. Uh, so Eric Carlson, his goal was the 13th of his uh, season. That, again, came 44 seconds to the game. Uh, Nora Gregor scored his second of the season. That was assisted by Carlson, his 31st assist of the season. Uh, that was the first period goal for Gregor. Also, uh, secondary assist was from Matt Benning. Uh, Matt Benning has 13 assists on the season now, so you know, kudos to him. Um, a couple of podcasts ago, I was saying, you know, for as much times he contributes to the scoreboard he also contributes to the other team scoring um, so we'll see if that gets fixed throughout the season uh, it was Timo time in the second period he got his 18th of the year Carlson got an assist again on that so another multi-point game for EK65 Benino got his fifth of the season and the 33rd assist for Eric Carlson occurred on Oscar Limbold's uh, second period goal uh, Meyer got his 16th for the uh, assist of the season on the secondary assist and an unassisted goal for Kevin LeBanc put a cherry on the top. Uh, power play goal uh, with like 14 seconds remaining in the game. So, yeah, it was cool to see the Sharks win a game and, you know, send the fan base on to the holidays, um, you know, with that good old holiday, uh, good old fashioned holiday cheer. Uh, Nico Sturm again stood out this game. Uh, 56% of his faceoffs were won. Uh, Nick Benito, he got on the scoreboard, obviously, with, with an assist. That's nice. Uh, he played 22 games, Nick Benito. Uh, 22 games, pardon me, 22 minutes. Uh, so, you know, he's, um, you know, um, top, six Nick, top six Nick Bonino is still, you know, doing a solid job for the Sharks. Uh, 
Uh, Logan Chor, he won 57% of his faceoffs that game. So, you know, kudos to him. 23 minutes on the ice. Uh, Ferraro, as we mentioned earlier, got 22 minutes. So looking a little bit more in form in terms of like, you know, how much um, how much of the workload that he takes on for the, for the blue line. Um, and of course, you know, again, story of the game was Eric Carlson, his four point performance. I believe if he got a fifth point, he was going to start like tying like some old time greats, including, including Owen Nolan. Um, if he would have got like two more points in that game, he would have been the all time leader. I'll be real with you. Um, the Sharks look like they're starting to kind of, uh, the steam is starting to like, you know, um, like the pressure and the steam is starting to like dissipate. So I didn't think it was going to happen. And, um, you know, hey, four points is still good enough. Uh, James Reimer obviously had a better game. 24 saves on 26 shots with a .923 save percentage. Yeah. All right. So here we are. We're about halfway through with episode 50 of the Shark City Podcast. Thank you to everybody who's watching on YouTube and everyone who's in the Instagram live chat session. I see you and I hear you and I thank you for spending some time with me uh, during the holiday break to talk Sharks hockey. I want to take a quick breather, enjoy some more of my tea here. That's kind of my new thing this season. I got into tea. Stop drinking coffee. Stop drinking, um, you know, anything with sugar. And started drinking tea. It's been delightful. So I'm going to enjoy a quick cup really quick. And um, we're going to hear a quick word from um, our friends over here at DraftKings. We'll be right back in just a couple moments. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, welcome back to the Shark City Podcast. This is episode 50, um, chapter 16 of season 2. So, um, you know, just to preview the second part of this uh, program today, we are about to talk about where the Sharks stand in the tank for Bedard. All right, so with the World Juniors starting today, the hockey world, again, is salivating more than ever over uh, the young prospect, uh, Bedard, uh, Connor Bedard, who scored a goal today for um, Canada. Nice little snipe. Um, so if the season was to end today, obviously it's got a couple more months to go. So this whole standings is subject to significant change. But if the season was to end tonight, the sounds of sharks would have the fourth overall draft pick in the NHL 2023 entry draft. The thing here is when you have the fourth overall pick and you are speaking of the draft lottery. So for those of you who don't know, um, in hockey, like in basketball, um, they kind of shake up the, you know, um, 
the drafts with a lottery, meaning that even if you are the worst team in the league, you are still not guaranteed to have the number one overall selection in the upcoming draft. So most of you already know that because you're hockey fans and that's why you're watching this program. But if the league's standings as of today, um, if the league was to end, excuse me, if the league season was over today, uh, according to the standings, the Sharks would get fourth overall. So right now the Sharks have 11, 18, and 6 record. Uh, they have 28 points in the standings. There are only three teams worse than us. Columbus with 10 victories, 22 points. So there's a significance. There's a big significance there. Even though we are only one victory ahead of them, we have about six points on them. All right. So, you know, um, kind of kind of a trippy deal here, too, because, you know, it starts again. It starts to decrease by just literally a game. OK, so Anaheim, they have nine victories. They are second. They are second right now projected to get second overall in the upcoming draft. And obviously with only eight victories, Chicago is in possession of the number one overall draft pick at the moment. So obviously if you're watching on YouTube or Instagram, you get to see the lovely graphic, but uh, bear with me really quick so I can kind of, uh, you know, fill in those in the fan base that enjoy the audio version of this. So right now, if the season's the end, uh, the top 10 picks would go in this order, Chicago, Anaheim, Columbus, San Jose, Philadelphia, Arizona, Ottawa, Montreal, Florida, via a Montreal pick, and Vancouver. Okay. So, now that I've filled everybody in on the standings and we're all caught up on the same page here. <laughs> My bad. Uh, if the season ended today, it seems like the Sharks will get fourth overall, and that's prior to the lottery. So, if you all don't know, the draft lottery, again, it's a simulation. I guess the best way to say it, I forget how often they do it, but it's like 100,000 or at least 1,000 times over, okay? I don't have the time to do 1,000-plus simulations here. So, for the sake of, you know, just having some fun and getting a general consensus of what we could expect um, with this lottery, I did 10 simulations and I want to share the results that I have, um, that I have with, uh, with all y'all out there in Sharks territory. So, um, what I have learned. Okay. So let me just get out of this. So I don't confuse y'all who are watching. Pardon me. So, uh, thank you for sticking with me as I think out loud. The general consensus. So after 10 simulations, all right, here's the data that I found. The results are there's a 90% chance that the Sharks will drop at least one spot in the draft selection. That is right. All right. So actually the common the common uh, trend was the Sharks are dropping two spots. All right. Uh, I'll get into the details of the simulations in a little bit just for some more um, context. But let me just get let me just stick with the findings. Okay. So right now the sound of the Sharks if the season ended and we finished fourth overall, there's a 90% chance that we'll drop at least one spot. So we'll drop to number five. Okay. Uh, there's a 40% chance that the Sharks will drop at least two spots in draft selection. A 10% chance the Sharks will remain in the same draft spot, meaning that we just keep the fourth overall. But there are a, there's 0% chance based off the 10 simulations, all right? 
Obviously, they do them by thousands. I don't have that time, but I'm just based off the 10 simulations for our data pool here, okay? 0% chance the Sharks will actually move up to top three draft selection. All right, so as far as, far as you know, the Bedard sweepstakes is concerned, you know, the winners, uh, you know, whoever is in possession of the number one overall draft pick, there's a 60% chance that the worst team in the NHL will actually lose the number one overall draft pick in a lottery. Um, sounds kind of crazy. So, again, this is just simulations. This isn't real world, and it's not like, um, you know, what I'm going to share with you is what the league will present to you. But I just want to let you know that even if you try to tank for Bedard and you have the number one, you know, you're one of the top, like, three worst teams in the league, there is still a huge chance that you don't even get Connor Bedard. And I could see this, especially this season, with him being so valued as being, like, a franchise changing type of player. I mean, they're literally like making comparisons to him being like the next Crosby. I don't know. It's a little bit out there, but um, his skill at where he's at and what he's done at this level is reminiscent of Crosby and McDavid. Again, this is another podcast that we spoke about um, earlier this season. So let's just get back to the simulations here and whether the Sharks chances of actually landing number one overall um, right now it's zero worth where we stand uh, unless we could find a way to be worse than the blue jackets the anaheim ducks or the blackhawks um connor bedard is on our future i hate it. i hate to be a spoiler alert okay um so let's let's just discuss some of these crazy results here so uh, i'm just gonna go through who got number one on each of these 10 simulations okay and i'll share with you how much they uh, jumped and how much the uh, Chicago Blackhawks dropped. So on the first simulation, Arizona actually won the sweepstakes. They jumped five spots. Um, just for sake of fun, Montreal jumped six spots. They got number two and Chicago dropped down two spots to get the uh, third spot. San Jose dropped down two spots and they ended up with number six. All right. Uh, the second simulation we had, San Jose just dropped one spot. Ottawa went up six spots to claim the number one overall draft pick. Columbus went up one spot for number two. Obviously, Chicago dropped down two spots to number three. Uh, in our third simulation, what we did, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers jumped up four spots along with Arizona Coyotes. So Philadelphia gets one, Arizona Coyotes get two. The Sharks dropped down two spots to six. In the fourth simulation, Chicago actually maintained it while Florida jumped a whole seven spots to get the second overall pick. San Jose dropped one. Uh, in the fifth simulation, Florida jumped eight spots, got number one overall. Sounds they dropped down two to six. Um, the number one seed dropped down to third. In the sixth simulation that we conducted here at Shark City Hockey, thank you for everyone sticking with me as we do this countdown. Appropriately so as we as we approach the new year here. Uh, Columbus jumped up two spots. Philadelphia jumped up three. So Blue Jackets got number one. Philadelphia got number two. Chicago dropped down two spots. San Jose dropped down one to five. Um, in the seventh simulation, Chicago actually maintained its draft pick again, that being number one overall, while San Jose dropped two spots. Edmonton jumps up nine spots into fifth. Montreal jumps up six into second. Again, this is all just simulations. It's all just fun. Practically a video game at this point. Uh, number eight overall as we finish on our 10 simulations. And thank you for sticking with me. Uh, Chicago maintains their pick again. San Jose just stays with the fourth. Uh, Anaheim jumps up in the ninth to maintain the number one overall. Or to claim the number one overall. Chicago drops down two. San Jose drops down one. 
St. Louis, out of nowhere, St. Louis comes up nine spots to claim the second. And in the last simulation, San Jose drops down to fifth. Chicago maintains the first overall. Vancouver jumps up eight spots for a second overall. Um, the reason why I so valiantly <laughs> shared all that with you, it was a mouthful, my apologies, probably earful as well, um, was to just kind of like cement it into our, you know, the fan base out there, the Sharks fans' minds that even if we get the first overall um, like selection, there's a six, you know, there's a 60% chance that with the whole lottery that it could be gone. Now, obviously, for those of you who want to know, having the number one overall or having the worst record in the league, you have the best odds at 18.5% of landing it, okay? So right now, San Jose Sharks have 9.5% odds of getting the number one overall draft um, selection via the lottery. But, you know, I'm just saying, based off these simulations, it looks like we're not even getting there close. And unless we finish dead last in the league, um, you know, even that will only guarantee us a 40% chance of actually maintaining, um, you know, the chance to get Connor Bedard. So it's just a lot to think about, okay? That's what I'm trying to say is there's a lot to think about here. Um, you know, at this point, you know, knowing that there's like three other teams to try to like best out for worse in the league and seeing like, you know, how random and how, you know, like unpredictable that the draft lottery can actually be. I would say that it would be in Sharks fans benefits to maybe perhaps reevaluate their uh, commitment to want wanting this team to quote unquote tank. Right now, obviously, the players aren't paying attention to any of this. But, um, hey, Logan Couture said they're finding ways to lose games. You know, call it whatever you want. Tomato, tomato. Uh, you're going to tank, you're going to lose games. You're going to try to get Connor Bedard onto the um, onto the roster. Um, you know, you're playing with fire because, you know, the Sharks would do all this. And for those of you who believe that there is an actual living bias against Team Till, then... I, I wouldn't put it past, you know, said bias if that's the rule of thumb here that, you know, we wouldn't maintain the number one draft uh, choice should we end up being the worst team in the league, which I honestly don't see happening. I really don't. I don't see how we could be worse in Anaheim. I really don't. I don't see how we could be worse in Chicago. Like, and they're actually owning their rebuild. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, I think that's most as, as much as I want to, um, to get into that. Actually... Um, again, um, you know, only one in 10 simulations resulted in Columbus with a third pick moving up number one overall, and only one in 10 simulations had Columbus move up to third uh, overall or from third overall to second. And as for the Ducks, who currently hold the second overall, zero simulations resulted in them moving up to number one. Okay, so that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, uh, moving along here. So uh, just forecasting here. So for everybody who's been staying with me so uh, vigilantly, thank you very much. It's almost been a full regulation of hockey. Uh, we're approaching the 60-minute mark here. Uh, coming up, we're just going to briefly touch up on Randy Hahn. He was on the Power Play on NHL Network Radio on Sirius XM. He had some uh, comments to make about why the fans are not going to the game and um, kind of hypothetically talked about one of um, the Shark stars potentially being on the trade block. Not saying he suggested it. Not saying it's happening. Not trying to put words in his mouth either. Just simply saying that he was kind of approached and asked by the host, like, what's going on, the captain? 
Ooh. Uh, then we're going to preview the next um, couple of games that remain in the year of 2022. And uh, we'll kind of touch up on some of the milestones to look forward to for some of our players. But first, let's talk about Randy Hahn here. Uh, so Randy Hahn was on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio on the show The Power Play because, you know, big milestone, 2000th game called. Um, you know, he kind of offered some of his opinions on why the tank's so empty. He spoke about how the Bay Area being so cultured with so much to do, um, you know, having like Wine County and having, you know, just everything within driving distance, whether it's the coast or inland. Um, you know, there's just so much more to do. And then you have, you know, other teams here that are, uh, you know, one of them's about to make, you know, some postseason, uh, a postseason run here. And, you know, another one, obviously, um, more recently making history in their league, you know, playing at the new arena there in San Francisco. Uh, you know, so point point trying to say is, you know, there's a lot of competition for Sharks players here. I mean, excuse me for um, there's there's a lot. There's a lot for Sharks fans um to pretty much fill their time up with instead of watching the team lose just pretty much be frank with it okay <laughs> mm. i kind of agree with some of the stuff he says um some of the things they mentioned which is kind of um tough is how they say you know there's like a mass exodus from the bay area which is true but i i don't know i just for me i feel like when they try to say how all the sharks fans essentially moved away that might be true. Maybe their season ticket holders did move away, and the season ticket holders are kind of the ones that are like their anchors, right? Um, they they go to pretty much say like they're the ones that are making the team happen. At least that's how they're treated. But you know what? What I'm trying to suggest here, or what I'm thinking, uh, really quick, if you don't mind me putting my two cents in, and again, I'm not trying to contradict. I'm just simply saying because I'm a Sharks fan and I've been a Sharks fan in San Jose, and I lived here for life, for the exception of the time I served in the in the Navy. Um, but you know, I've I've come, I and even when I served, I came and I seen so many games during during my leave. Anyways, but the point I'm trying to say is, is pardon me, is, and I I don't mean to say this for all situations. Again, again, it's just my opinion. All right, my two cents. But to to act that the reason like the Shark Tank isn't like as filled as it used to be is because like you know all the Sharks fans essentially left. They moved away. I don't know. I, I, I just kind of feel like, you know, um, I feel like the people and I don't mean this in any in any way. OK, because I'm not trying to talk about like status or whatever, but I feel like the people who moved away from the Bay Area or who moved away from San Jose specifically. Um, I feel like if they had to move out of this region because it's very expensive to live here, it's not cheap to live here. But if they had to move out of this region, there's a strong probability, strong chance that they probably can even like, you know, like, like maybe going to a hockey game wasn't within, you know, the means. Because, again, I'm just speaking from someone who's lived here my whole life. Um, you know, it's not cheap to go to a hockey game. It is not cheap to go to a hockey game. That's not a surprise. I mean, that, that's not um, that's not um, brown, Greek, uh, brown, uh, groundbreaking news. Pardon me. It's not cheap. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to complain. I'm just simply trying to say that, like, some of the people who went away from the Bay Area is because, you know, just the cost of living just got a little too high. And if that's the case, then there's a strong probability, there's a strong chance that maybe, you know, being in a hockey game wasn't also like, in their benefits. Or another way of saying is maybe they weren't going to hockey games in the first place. So, 
Um, I can say, I can understand, yeah, there are more things here to do. And sure, there are other teams out here who are a little bit more successful in the in the environments, a little bit more um, inviting and engaging, whatever the case may be. Uh, maybe because whatever the, you know, maybe their recent success, right, is kind of carrying it. But the point I'm trying to say is, um, is I'm, 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 I just don't want to, this is my opinion. Um, cause this, this isn't just Randy Hahn. This is something that they've been saying, like the, the front office and the media, they've been saying this for like a couple of years. Okay. Um, I think we had to kind of move past like, Oh, all of our fans moved away and start looking into like how we're going to get these guys in like the ones who are here. Because again, I've said this on a previous episode, I think last season to say that all of our fans moved away or that, you know, there's too many more things here to do in San Jose or in the Bay area. Well, there's always been those things here to do in the Bay area. That's why it's like one more, most beautiful places to live. Right. So, you know, let's just be, let's just be honest. Like it's not like those things have always been here and the sharks always sold out. So, you know, what's really has changed. And I think it's just a disconnect, a big disconnect, but I won't get into that. Cause that's the whole point of this. The whole point of speaking about this whole thing Part of me is like step off my soapbox, and I don't mean any disrespect. Okay, I I just respectfully disagree. Um, but one of the things that tripped me out with uh, Randy Hahn, back to focusing on Randy Hahn, unless on my opinion, um, he was talking to the host of the Power Play on NHL Network Radio on Sirius XM um, about hypothetically trading Logan Couture, which didn't shock me at all. Um. The question was kind of like delivered in like, so what's up with Logan Couture? You know what I mean? And it was kind of a leading question. I don't know if it was necessarily directed at like, okay, is he on the trade block? But, you know, um, first and foremost, Randy said like the organization hasn't given um, him any reason, nor has he like said that he doesn't want to be there. Okay. But obviously, with the comments of general um, manager Mike Greer, being that everybody on the roster is essentially up, you know, they have a price tag, you know, they could be on the block unless your name is Tomas Hurdle. You know, I, I feel like I feel like these kind of conversations going on NHL Network Radio. It's just a reminder that the team can be imploded before the spring. Um, it wouldn't shock me to see. I mean, a lot of people are focusing on Eric Carlson, and a lot of people are focusing on Timo Meyer, and you know, the goaltenders. But it wouldn't shock me to see the leadership, like the core, the core uh, leadership crew, because you know Carlson has an A, and it would just wouldn't shock me to see these guys, um, you know, go to separate squads. I mean, a couple of seasons ago, Logan Couture was speaking at post game, saying like he's not getting any younger. You know, he wants to win, and they're pointing out on NHL Network, the host on the power play was saying, the NHL Network radio, pardon me, was saying how Logan Couture is pretty much like like one of the most deadliest weapons to have on a squad when you're in the postseason. Like he just comes alive, I believe is the, the quote or the words he said exactly. So, um, you know, if, if you don't have Sirius XM um, radio, I'm pretty sure there's other uh, ways you could access that interview. Um, but what I'm trying to get at here is like, you know, it's definitely worth a listen because I think that the tonality is going to change in the next couple of months here. I mean, that's going to probably be the the headlines for, you know, 2023 is what's going to happen with Timo Meyer and his contract. What's going to happen with Eric Carlson? I mean, is he going to get any, um, is he going to, you know, be able to add anything to the trophy case if he's on a team that's not playoff bound, right? Um, 
covered this on one of the other episodes. Historically, that's typically not the case. Um, I mean, it's typically the case. If if you're not in the playoffs, you're not getting you know your name called at the award show. Um, but yeah, Lone Couture as well. Lone Couture. So uh, the name coming up and, and anyone's name coming up is not going to shock me. But uh, again, it was just a reminder. And again, uh, Randy Hahn, he definitely did not make it seem or appear as if Couture is on the block or he's being considered to be moved. It was just a question that he was asked. And he, he answered it pretty, pretty honestly. And the way he answered it was... Um, the kind of like in the similar fashion of what went down with Brent Burns, being that he assumed if it did go down, it would start with a conversation between Logan Couture and Mike Greer. And if Couture had made the request, then Mike Greer would find a way to make it happen for him. Um, but again, Randy Hahn re- reinforced the fact that the Sharks love him here, that Logan Couture loves him in San Jose, and that neither party has sh- given any like doubt that you know that may not be the case but again just the fact that it's being in conversation especially you know on nhl network radio it's just a reminder that this team can be imploded before the spring especially if the results continue the way they are so with that being said let's look forward to the next couple of games that the sharks have to play sharks are playing new year's eve and new year's day what's up with that (laughs) that's so messed up it's on it's it's on the road as well. It's not like they could, you know, and it's not like it's within a state, you know, it's not like they lined them up to play LA and Anaheim or the Rangers and the Islanders. They have them lined up for Texas and Illinois. Anyways, uh, so let's start off with the first game coming up. Sound these Sharks play tomorrow. If you're listening to this podcast, um on the 27th, and that would be today. Uh, they are playing the Vancouver Canucks. As of right now, the Vancouver Canucks are the favorites. They have a 51% chance of winning the game. Um, so, again, as of right now, that puts the Sound of the Sharks at a um, plus 127. Um, if they win this game, it's only going to improve their playoff chances by 1% meaning that right now they have a 4.2% chance of making the playoffs. That's all bad. Um, Historically, historically, um, pardon me. Historically speaking here, uh, the San Jose Sharks, when they play the Vancouver Canucks, um, they kind of lead the series. So this will be the 135th all-time game against the Vancouver Canucks. The Sharks are leading the series with 62 wins, 54 losses, nine ties because there used to be ties back in the day, and nine overtime losses because hockey players don't know how to accept an L. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, how do the Sharks do when they're playing in Vancouver? Well, let's see. As I struggle to see where I'm at in my notes here. Oh, there we are. Uh, so this will be the 52nd all-time game that San Jose is going to play in British Columbia, Vancouver specifically. Um, BC is a beautiful place, by the way. I remember going there in Port for Victoria. It was a very beautiful place. Anyways, um, so at Rogers Arena, the Sharks are 29-17-3-2 all-time. Uh, so, you know, it's 
they're only the underdog by a few a few percentage points so there's a strong chance that the sharks might be able to you know get the get the dub um following the uh, canucks game so that's a tuesday uh, is the flyers the sharks will be at home to play the last game at the tank in 2022 uh, that's going to be a thursday night game december 29th at 7 30 that's uh sounds a local time face off it's against the philadelphia flyers so um again just historically speaking here this will be the 49th all-time game against the flyers the sharks lead that series 27 16 4 and 1. all right um then that weird back-to-back during the holiday maybe there is some bias against the sharks but that back-to-back schedule on the holiday so the Celtics sharks are going to play a five o'clock game in Dallas against the Stars, so you know go say what's up to Joe Pabelski, and then they're gonna jump on a flight more than likely unless they spend you know New Year's in um, Texas, which is possible. Um, but they'll have to get on a flight and make it out toward the Great Lakes over there by Illinois and take on the Blackhawks for a um, four o'clock local time. Uh, Chicago local time uh, for a New Year's Eve game. So let's just see how, again, historically, the Sharks fare against the two squads. Uh, the Dallas Stars and the Sharks, for those of you who didn't know, they used to be division rivals. Uh, this will be the 135th all-time game against the Stars. The Sharks lead that series 59 victories, 57 losses, 5 ties, 13 overtime losses. But they lead it. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, to me, the Stars, that bit of rivalry still exists. Uh, back in the day with Belfort, Madonna, and Hull, and etc. Anyways, um, how do the Sharks fare when they play in Dallas, Texas? Um, so, now the Sharks in Reunion Arena in Dallas is... They've played 18 games. They're 9-7-2. and two. So... You know, almost down the middle. They ha- they're, you know, just slightly above 500. Um, with the way Joel Pavelski has been playing lately, uh, I was kind of peeping one of their games the other day. Those stars, they look like they're, you know, they're getting prepared to do some good things this season. Um, as far as the Blackhawks go, I mean, unless you want to see the Sharks you know, tank for Bedard and try to secure that number one spot, even though it doesn't make sense. We just covered. Um, hopefully the Sharks could beat the worst team in the league. <laughs> hopefully, you never know. Um, this will be the 108th all-time matchup against the Blackhawks. I always like it when the Sharks put the Blackhawks because I get brought back to those bitter rivalry days. Um, you know, for me, it was a bitter rivalry. I don't know so much for Chicago. But, you know, this is back like when they beat us out of the uh, the finals to go on to uh, win their first cup. Anyways, uh, so the Sharks historically are 56, 37, 5, and 9 all time against the Blackhawks. And when they're playing in Chicago, they are out of, this will be the 50th time, by the way. Uh, they're 24, 17, 1, and 7 all time. And that is what it looks like for the remainder of the year in Sharks territory. Uh, for those of you who just want to know, the San Jose Sharks are going to continue to be on the road. So, you know, they start a 
quick little like you know visit in Vancouver tomorrow. They play against the Flyers at home on Thursday, and then they go on that road trip, and they will not be back until January seventh. So after the Blackhawks, about five days later, I mean they're practically home, right? They'll be playing in Anaheim, and then the following day, another weekend of back-to-backs lined up for the Sharks. Um, or two weekends of back-to-backs, what I meant to say. Uh, they'll be playing the Bruins at home, and then they take off a couple days later to uh, Arizona. So we'll see what the, um, we'll finally get to see the Sharks play in that hybrid, like, college uh, arena, you know, over there, the Sun Devils and the Coyotes. All right. Woo! Thank you to everybody who's been, um, you know, it's pretty much been overtime and shootout at this point. Um, thank you. I'm Aaron James. This has been the Shark City Podcast. This is the 50th episode, season two, chapter 16. Uh, some upcoming milestones for our guys until uh, James Reimer is one win away from 200 NHL career wins. Timo Meyer is two points away from 300 career NHL points. And Mark Edward Vlasic is four games away from 1,200 NHL games, all with San Jose. It's amazing. All right. Uh, chances are we'll get together perhaps a little bit before the new year, but if we don't, or if you know you don't uh, tune in until after you know your celebrations and your vacations are over, uh, I'm Aaron James. This is the Shark City Podcast, official podcast of SharkCityHockey.com, proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you to everybody on Instagram and YouTube for checking us out, and everybody else who's been listening on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, if you are you know, if you caught us a little bit late, we talked about some of the Sharks' prospects in the 2023 World Juniors. We were talking about overreaction to Tomas Hurdle's suspension. Uh, briefly touched up on Luke Kunin's um, season-ending surgery. Successful surgery. It's a good thing. It's not as bad as it sounds. Um, we talked about the last two games in Sharks territory. Some of the cool new features at the Shark Tank. We're about to start seeing some Sharks pop out. Do you remember Back to the Future Part 2, I think it is? When... It's like Jaws and the shark comes out at Marty. That's what I'm expecting to see at the Shark Tank, all right? Anyways, um, we talked about the draft lottery. It's obviously worth mentioning, especially right now with the World Juniors going on, the limelight and the salvating going all over Connor Bernard. And, um, you know, we just finished up previewing the final games of the year. Uh, thank you guys again to everybody who's been, um, you know, supporting the show, whether you follow on social media and everybody's been listening from top of the hour. Uh, previous episode of the Shark City Podcast can be found at sharkcityhockey.com. I'm Aaron James. I'm signing off. Um, I'm going to probably connect again with you all out there. Maybe one more time before the new year is you know, upon us. If I don't, happy new year. If you don't tune in till after, happy new year. Um, seasons, greetings, happy holidays, all that, all that love. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited for next month as we approach the one-year anniversary of the Shark City Podcast. And um, looking forward to doing some new things to bring, um, you know, just a little bit more engaging uh, podcast to everybody who's been uh, following us uh, these four years of covering San Jose Sharks. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your night. Stay safe. Stay warm. Stay dry for everybody in San Jose. Just start pouring here in the Bay Area. It's going to be like that for about a week. Hey, we need the rain here in Cali. All right, that's enough ad-libs and fillers. I'm Aaron James. Thank you to everybody else uh, once again. Um, So, um, yeah, it's been a good show. I appreciate everyone out there.
and that's it. Have a good night.